Hey, Mountain Park Church family, Pastor Brenda here, and I'm happy to be with you this Sunday as we roll into our second week on spiritual maturity. And we are still taking a look at this chunk of scripture between the middle of Ephesians 4 and the middle of Ephesians 5, where Paul gets super practical about how we walk in spiritual maturity. And he starts to talk to us about some of the basics of that before he takes a shift and turns into how that affects our relationships. And I think that's really important that we actually learn how to walk in spiritual maturity in every area of our life um, because it will play out and affect community and relationships. And if we're called to be the kind of people who walk in unity and walk in love towards one another, then it's really important that we're growing spiritually into maturity, into the likeness of Christ, in every area of our life, including those places in our internal world, our heart, our will, our desires, as we talked about last week, our mind and emotions we're going to talk about next week. So today we're talking about renewing the mind. And Paul uses words in this chunk of scripture like um, referring to our old life as when we used to think like the Gentiles did. That's a way of just referring to those who are not brought into the kingdom of God yet. That there was futility of thinking, he calls it. He says there was a way that you used to think that was actually futile. It was purposeless. And even though um, we have really great minds, God gave us incredible minds, and one of the greatest things about being human is that we have the ability to think of incredible things. Our intellect, our uh, reasoning, the way that we use our minds with our imagination and, and creativity, we're able to do a lot of things with the mind that God has given us. But sometimes we have this tendency to think that we can figure things out, we can manage things on our own, we can think it through, we can figure it out, and we don't allow God into that process. And that's what I feel Paul was re referring to when he talks about, about the futility of thinking. That even though we can think and reason and logic through a whole bunch of different things and get ourselves really far, um, if we're not including God in that, it's going to be futile. It's going to be purposeless and empty if we're not including him and actually aligning ourselves with the mind of Christ. Now, I wanted to point this out that Ephesians and Colossians are two books that have a lot of the same message in them and the storylines of them, the way Paul writes them, they're very, very, very similar. Their themes and the sequencing of them are very similar. And Paul says this in Colossians 3, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds, he says, on things above, not on earthly things. So his admonishment to us here is that we need to set our minds, to focus our minds and our attention on the things of heaven, on the things above, not on the things of this earth. And it's easy for us, like I said, to do our own planning and thinking, but that's futile if we're not including God in it. Our thoughts actually influence our daily life, right? There's these positive thinking mottos out there like 
um, change your thoughts, change your life. I see this stuff on social media or wherever. It's like positive thinking can change things. And you know what? Part of, that's partly true because uh, it's a, based on a biblical model, a biblical principle called hope. When you have hope, when you believe and expect that good things are coming, that good things are in your future, when you have hope inside of your heart, it does affect everything else in your life. When your thoughts are on heavenly thoughts, when your thoughts are on God's thoughts, and you're actually focused mentally on those things, not just positive thinking, but God thinking, then we have hope inside of our hearts that actually carries us through some of the hardest situations. Some of you need hope today. Some of you are struggling in this season in Ontario with all of the lockdowns that we have, with the tighter restrictions that we faced even this week. We need to hold on to hope. We need to hold on to that. Our mood, our emotions, and even what's happening in our physical bodies will respond to where we set our thinking, where we set our thought life. And so it's important that we keep our thoughts hopeful and set on the things that God calls us to keep them set on. My dad, I've talked about him with you before. He's had several strokes. His physical body isn't what it used to be. And I look at his situation sometimes, living under the care of other people and not being able to do a lot on his own. And I think, Man, I might give up. I might not have hope anymore if I was in the situation that he is in. But when you talk to him, he's like, I want to live to be 90. I want to live to be 95. He's like always pushing it further and further. And he keeps living because he has hope. He's got this faith deep inside of his heart that he's always had as a pastor and as a follower of Christ that he can't just turn that off or shut it down. He wants to live. He loves life, even though it doesn't look like it used to. And, you know, we might look at a situation like that and say, there isn't a whole lot to live for, but he's got a hope settled deep down inside of his heart and he wants to live more life. We need a positive attitude in this season right now. You know, I don't love preaching to a camera in an empty room. I don't. I don't love it. I'd rather be able to be in a room and see you face to face. I would love that. There's nothing I would love more than to preach this message to a room full of people. And I know you want to be there too. But I can't allow my thoughts to focus on that. I have to focus on the hope that we have, that we will meet together in the way that we want to again one day, that God still has us, that we're still able to use these kinds of mediums to meet together and still get the word out and still encourage each other and bring hope to each other. Why don't you just throw a high five or a heart in the chat right now and let everyone know that you are with us and that you've got hope for us and encourage each other a little bit. We need that and we need hope like that in this season. And so if I were to set my mind, if the focus of my thoughts was always, man, I'm frustrated. I don't want to speak to a camera again. I don't, I don't want to do this. Then my, my attitude, my emotions, and everything about my demeanor is going to follow where I set my thoughts. So it's important that we set our thoughts on hopeful things in the kingdom of God. We have the power to choose our thoughts, but we have to choose them carefully. And so my question for us today is, are you thinking about what you're thinking about? 
Are you aware of what is going on in your mind? Every thought that passes by your mind isn't always worth entertaining. Not every thought is worth focusing on and keeping. In fact, there's a lot of things in our day as we you know, look at things, see things, hear things, have conversations. There's going to be lots of thoughts that come across our mind, but we do not need to keep them. Many of them are not thoughts from God. They are not the mind of Christ. They're not the place for us to focus our thoughts. But if we allow ourselves to get um, rabbit trailed and just follow every thought that comes across our mind, we're going to end up in chaos and confusion. And that is not the mind of Christ. So here are some thought patterns that are not of Christ. Here's some things we need to be aware of and just be careful of in our thought life. First of all, fear. Fear, and, and that has many, it takes on many different uh, voices, I guess, in our mind. Fear, it can be worry about the future. It can be anxiety. God said many times in the scripture, do not fear, trust me. Do not fear, trust me. I've got you and I've got this situation right now. You have no need to fear. But when we're watching the news, we're bombarded with fear in the world all around us. Conversations even with friends and well-meaning Christians can be birthed out of a place of fear. And we need to be really careful that we are not following paths of fear, that we're pulling ourselves back into thoughts of faith. The second one, these are not godly thoughts, is comparison to others, which leads to jealousy, envy, coveting, and greed. Those are not thought patterns that are of the kingdom of God. They are worldly, selfish thought patterns. As soon as we begin to compare ourselves to others, we start to go down this slippery slope of coveting and the grass is greener on someone else's side and all of this, this kind of thinking that makes us unsatisfied and discontent with our own lives. And that's not, again, the pattern of thinking of the kingdom of God. Another one is self-doubt and negative self-talk. This idea that I'm not enough, uh, I, you know, I'll never be enough, no one likes me, all of this negative talk that goes through our minds. And it's not worth entertaining. Our identity is in Christ. We are who he says. We are not what the person beside you says, not what that person at work says about you. Um, you are who Christ says you are. And so we can't allow ourselves to be um, under the influence of the words of other people um, or even of ourselves. And that negative self-talk can become a pattern in our thinking, something that we immediately go to, right? We can be going along in our day, peaceful, we think everything is fine, all of a sudden someone says something and boom, we're spiraling down that negative thought talk in our own mental life. And we can easily go down that really quickly for a long time and not recover from it. And it can, again, affect a lot of other areas of our life and erupt in different places in, you know, maybe we come home and we take out what that person at work said to us on our family and we allow it to actually hurt other people and produce sin in our lives. That is not healthy. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week in our emotional reactions to things and how we can be unhealthy because it's tied to the thoughts we think about ourselves. 
Another pattern that is a pattern of the enemy is a pattern of thinking that is confusing and chaotic. That is not the mind of Christ. It is not a mind that is at peace. If you have confusion and chaos in your thoughts, it is a pattern of thinking that we need to stop and actually get out of our lives. God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't want you to be confused about anything. I've actually had to um, bring myself in alignment with this even recently and thinking like there's so many different ways that I could go um, in speaking and encouraging people and different things that I could do, but not all of them are going to be healthy and good for this moment, for this season right now in the body of Christ. So, you know, I can get spun out in a lot of thoughts of chaos and confusion, but I have to continually realign myself with Christ and say, what is it you want me to say? What is it you have? What is your heart for your people in this season? Pick up on that and stay very focused on where he is leading me. Negativity. Here's another one. Criticism and judgment of other people and negativity. There's a lot of that in our world right now, you just go on social media for a few minutes and you're gonna see really, you know, people who you think are really kind and gentle and soft and they're so critical of each other. And we feel like maybe it's easier to do that when we're online. You know, maybe we do that more readily than we would face to face, I don't know. But, you know, I just feel like that whole, um, sort of idea of being super critical and judgmental of what other people are doing and saying is again, it's not bringing unity. It's not bringing gentleness and one anotherness as we talked about last week in the body of Christ. And so we need to be careful, careful of this stuff, careful of negativity. And the last thing, um, just in thoughts that are maybe not worth entertaining or thoughts that are not of the kingdom of God, are strongholds in our mind. And I want to talk about this just for a sec because we're going to jump into a scripture that talks about strongholds in our mind. And so I want to unpack what this is for a second. So these are areas of thinking that are dominated or occupied by the enemy. They are lies that we believe about ourselves, about God or other people. And these lies take root in our minds and they become patterns of thinking. And then they are strongholds for the enemy. They're places where we actually allow him to camp out and take up residence in our thought life. We believe these things deeply about ourselves and we may even believe that they are true about ourselves. And, but they are strongholds, and um, we are not meant to be swayed or moved by every thought that passes through our minds, but we're actually meant to realign our thoughts with the mind of Christ, actually bring them under submission to him, the scripture says, and not allow these strongholds. And if you have a stronghold of thinking, a pattern of thinking, it may have come from your family of origin even. I'm going to talk about that when I share a personal story in a moment. Um, of how fear became a pattern of thought for me that I thought was completely normal, but it was a stronghold the enemy had in my mind. And so if there is one of these things that I've talked about, fear, comparison, self-doubt and negativity, confusion and chaos, have they become a stronghold? Are they just a little open door? You just have those thoughts, but you're able to like combat them and they pass by? Or are they strongholds? Do you actually accept them, allow them to sit in your mind and hold on to them? Then they become patterns of thinking and strongholds in our mind that need to be broken. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there is a pattern of thinking of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There is a pattern of thinking in this world that is full of fear and negativity and criticism and confusion and comparison and all of those things that we just said. Even things like self-help you can, you know, get yourself out of this or whatever. There are perspectives and worldviews. Um, and oftentimes, and this is, I'm going to push on this a little bit because this really concerns me in our world today, that there's this whole shame culture, that if you don't think like us, if you don't use your voice in a way that I want you to, if you don't use your platform on social media to influence the way I think you should influence, then there's the shame and condemnation that we come against each other, this harsh criticism of one another in an open forum online. And you know, not every perspective and worldview out there is a Christian one. And even some good-hearted Christian people have been led astray in their thinking and are not in line with what the Bible says and what Christ says about us. You just look around. You probably have lots of Christians on your social media. Everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has something different. They're on one side or the other. They're saying this or they're saying that. There's so many opinions out there. Listen, we need to be more concerned about what God thinks about us and what he says about us and what he says about what is going on in our world right now than the opinions of anybody else. His is the only one that matters. And so we need to be aligned with him and thinking like him. There's a powerful presence in our world fighting against our minds and it is opposed to the kingdom mentality. And not every pattern of thinking out there is the right one to align yourself with. We need to be careful. And our thoughts are a prime point of entry for the enemy to gain access and begin to influence our lives for his kingdom, for darkness, for confusion, for chaos, for fear. Our thought life is the way that he enters in. And so I wanted to just talk really, really, really briefly here about um, critical theory, which is something that I wish someone had talked to me about before my kids went to university. If you're a university-aged student or a parent who has kids in that age bracket, you need to be aware of this. There is a perspective and worldview out there that is taught in our modern universities in the education system that is called critical theory. And it has um, some truth in it. And, and I said this last week, but all lies that come from the enemy have a little bit of truth to them. A little bit of truth. That's why they're really good lies. And that's why we're so easily led astray by them because they have a little bit of truth in them. And critical theory says that the opposition of people, sorry, the oppression of people, how we have oppressed people groups and different groups of people throughout history. It's, it's based in political views and it's about liberating people through protest and change in society. It's actually saying that we can be the answer to our own problems. And while oppression and freeing people from that is, is a good thing, that would be something that we would want. We want that sort of justice in our world, it's not ours to take into our own hands. And when you remove sin and our need for a savior from the equation, 
we are left struggling. This is, you know, critical theory has become the, the one way that the world would say we're going to solve all of our problems. But it's actually removed the whole idea that we are created beings, that there was a fall of mankind into sin, and that we need a savior to save us. And it completely eliminates God's plan of redemption and restoration of all things. And you cannot hold both. You can't hold critical theory and a Christian worldview. You can't do that. And I see so many of our young people trying to do that. That's why they, they're speaking up about injustices in the world and those people groups that are oppressed and, and the hot issues and hot topics of our culture today are coming up to the surface for our young people. And they want to see a solution to this. And that's good. That's noble. But you'll never find a solution outside of the person of Jesus Christ. He is the answer. And he already came to provide the answer for us. So we need to be really careful of the perspectives and worldviews that are out there that want to lure us away from the basic framework and principles of the kingdom of God. Man is very smart, but we cannot solve our own problem of sin. We need a savior. So we are constantly at war in our thought life. The voices and opinions of this world versus the expressed heart of our Father through the scriptures, through the word of God, through the things that he has spoken and said to us. It is the worldview against the kingdom view, and there is a war for our thoughts going on every single day. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Here we see that term strongholds. And so there's this, this war going on, but it says we're not left without weapons and we're not left without power. And there's actually a divine power that is there to demolish strongholds, to come against every argument and pretense. Everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God is demolished by the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Word is our most powerful weapon against every attack of the enemy in our thought life, against every lie that he speaks against us. The word is the infallible truth of God, and it is capable of coming against every lie, every thought that is not of God. And the word of God is not capable of deceiving you or disappointing you. It is powerful in pulling down strongholds, and it is our weapon. Hebrews 4.12 says this, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Listen, if you are caught in a pattern of thinking that is not of God, the only way that you are going to break free from that pattern of thinking is by renewing your mind with the word. And when we read the word of God, when we find his truths in his word and we we open up his word and we find 
um, the truth in there, the spirit of God comes along and he breathes life on it. And he says, this truth is for you. This is for your life. This is for your good right now. This is exactly what you need right now. And so the spirit always reminds us of Jesus' words and speaks truth to us, but it always comes back to the word of God. This is a basis of truth in our lives. And so the truths of God become real and applicable as the Spirit breathes life on them and they become real for us. They're not just words on a page. The Bible says they are living and effective and active. It means they are full of energy to help us discern what's going on in our present day life. And so do you believe what the word says about you? Do you believe what it says about your identity and your position in Christ? Do you believe that you can trust the word that says that you can trust God? You don't need to fear. You don't need to be anxious. You don't need to worry. You don't need to to spiral out in all of these patterns of thought of negativity and chaos. You can have peace and have the mind of Christ. So what is the pattern of thinking that God recommends? We've talked a lot about the patterns of this world. We said, don't align ourselves with that. We are at war for our thoughts. The word is the answer for us in that war. So what are the thoughts that God has for us? What is his pattern of thinking and how do we apply that to our lives? So let's get really practical here. I'm gonna read a portion of scripture in Philippians 4 that helps us unpack really practically what this means for us. It says, do not be anxious about anything. I'm starting, sorry, in verse six, chapter four, verse six of Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So this word for prayer here, there's a few different words for prayer in the Greek language. This one here is one that's used quite often and it actually means exchange. It means that there's an exchange of thoughts and ideas. And so through prayer, instead of being anxious about what's going on in our our world, instead of being anxious about what's going on in your life, it says, do not be anxious, but in every situation, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we bring these thoughts to God. We say, God, I'm feeling anxious or fearful about this. God, there's something going on deeper in my life. There's something I don't understand here. There's this new thought, a new pattern of thinking that's come across my paths, a thought that came across my mind. What do I do with it? We can bring that to God, lay it down, and pick up his heart for us. That's what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He modeled this prayer for us when he said, I, you know, basically, I don't want to go to the cross if this cup could pass from me, if I didn't have to take this road and go this way, I know it's gonna be really hard, but not my will, but yours be done. There's an exchange there. He was able to release that to the Father and say it. Sometimes we don't wanna say those things out loud. Tell God about your doubts and fears. Tell him about the anxious and worried things that are going on in your mind. Release them, get them out to him, but then receive his truth. The scripture goes on to say the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me say this. The mind of Christ is a mind at peace. And if you do not have peace right now in your thought life and in your mind, it is because you have allowed something or someone to steal it. 
Jesus said, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. It is a gift I do not give as the world gives. I give you this gift from heaven that is peace for your mind and peace for your heart. It is a peace that passes all understanding because it is a gift from God. And even in the circumstances we're in today, even in the situation you may find yourself in right now, you can have peace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace over and over and over again in scripture. Even Jesus himself talked about the kingdom of God being righteousness, peace, and joy. How many of us are experiencing peace and joy right now in our lives, in our inner world? Do you have peace in your inner world? Do you have peace in your heart and peace in your mind? That is the gift of God. And if you don't, you need to understand how it is being stolen from you and primarily in your thought life. So what are you focusing on and allowing to influence your thoughts? Listen, I pretty much don't watch the news and I haven't probably since early last spring. I don't, um, I, I'm not on social media much at all. Um, if I am, I'm, I'm not talking anything about COVID or what's happening in our world. I'll post a picture of the magnolia tree that's beautifully blossoming outside of my window right now, or, you know, my dog, my puppy, whatever. I, I'm uh, posting scriptures once in a while or encouragements from the heart of God, but I'm not getting involved in the political stuff, in the news about COVID or what else is going on in our world. I just don't let myself go there because I know it's not good for my thought life. And if I'm gonna keep my heart at peace and my mind at peace and stay focused on what God says and how he's leading me in this season, I cannot allow myself to be bombarded with the negativity and fear that is out there. And so maybe you need to, to you know, um, just contain your intake of news and media and all of that stuff right now. Maybe you need to guard your heart and mind a little bit. Maybe you need to put up that guard, uh, that fence around you and just say, you know what? I, I, I don't want to talk about these things. I don't want to focus on these things. I know they're there. You know, when news comes up, I'm not going to miss it. I'm, you know, I know it's there. <laughs> Trust me. I know I don't have to be on my phone all hours of every day to know what's going on in the world. I know what's going on. I'm just refusing to be a part of it and to allow it to bombard my thought life. Otherwise, I would not have peace. So maybe you need to think about what's influencing your thought life in this season. He goes on to say in this scripture, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So what's he saying here? He's giving us this list in scripture of what our thought life should look like. He says, think on these things. Is it noble? Is it true? Is it praiseworthy and excellent? Is, if it doesn't line up with this list, we should not be thinking about it. We should not be spending a ton of our energy and time swirling around in thoughts that do not line up with this list. And we need to put this into practice. This is the actual practice of renewing our mind, directing and managing and actually moderating and regulating our own thought life. This is important. 
This is important to think about what we're thinking about. And I want to actually share with you a little bit of my own story really quickly just at the end here because I had to put this into practice really practically in my life. And so I hope this will help um, someone today to be able to put this into practice. So from my family of origin, there was um, some abandonment issues. And along with that, there was a lot of fear and anxiety um, just coming through on my mom's side of the family. There was a lot of what if scenarios. And, you know, my mom, she was a lovely person. She was a good Christian woman. And I saw throughout her life how she renewed herself um, in the pattern of the kingdom of God. But the pattern she had learned in this world was one that was fearful. And sometimes that came up in her life. And I picked that up a little bit as a young woman and as a little girl. And I noticed when, you know, I was a mom and I had young kids, I had four little ones all around, I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of fear that something terrible was going to happen to my kids or to my family. I had a lot of fear about, you know, what was going to happen in their lives. And I could spin out in these what-if scenarios. Um, and I could be 10, 20 years down the road in a path of destruction and fear and chaos before I would kind of grab myself and go, wait a sec, this Nothing's happened. <laughs> Nothing has happened yet that would make me believe that we would go down that path. But the enemy loved to bring those fearful thoughts across my path so that I would spin out going down those fearful thought patterns. And I followed them, hook, line, and sinker. Man, they would consume my thoughts on a lot of days. And it was affecting my attitude as a mom. It was affecting... Um, my home life and our family, I was not often able to be present in the moment, joyful and peaceful for my children because I was spinning off in, well, don't do that because it will lead to this and that will lead to this. And it was all of these what if things that never happened. I was, I was like just imagining these fear-filled things happening and they never get, did. And so the Holy Spirit brought it up to me how toxic these fearful patterns of thoughts where he showed me how they came in my family line and he actually led me into taking my thoughts captive and being able to discern what was going on in my thought life. So every time I started to go down one of those fearful patterns of, of thought, I would stop myself and I would bring myself back to this chunk of scripture. I would take my thoughts captive I would surrender them to the Lordship of Christ. I would say, God, I'm, I'm spiraling out here. Jesus, I need your help. Holy Spirit, can you bring truth to this? Is this true? No. Is it lovely? No. Is it noble? Nope. Is it praiseworthy or excellent? Nope. Is it lovely? Nope. I, I bring it back to this and I'd go, okay, then I'm not supposed to be thinking about this. I reject those thoughts in Jesus' name and I bring back the peace that God promised me. I am a child of God and my inheritance and gift from him is peace. And so I speak peace over my mind right now. And I would actually actively do that sometimes many times a day. Stop and think about what I was thinking about. Realize it was toxic and fearful and leading down a wrong path. Take my thoughts captive surrender them to Christ, line them up to this list if I needed to, and then reject them in Jesus' name and bring myself back into the peace and heart of God. Sometimes I would even ask God, what do you see for this situation? What do you see for my kid's future? What do you see? Give me a 
faith-filled scenario that I can grab onto and sink myself into so I'm not spiraling out in fear all of the time. So that was a really practical way that I could just take this, this line out of scripture and apply it to my own life and my own thought life. And I believe some of you may need to do that today. You may need to begin to think about what you're thinking about, to take your thoughts captive, to submit them to the mind and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you need to, use this piece of scripture in Philippians 4 to line them up to, to ask yourself, is this true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it praiseworthy and excellent? If not, reject it. It's not yours. You don't have to keep it. And I just, I hope this is an encouragement today that's going to bring much more peace into your thought life. When Paul used the word renewing your mind, it's actually the root Greek word of that is where we get our word metamorphosis. That something is actually completely changed, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. You can actually completely change. And neuroscience teaches us today that our minds can be completely changed and renewed. Our thought patterns can be renewed, but they're only going to be renewed in the right way when we renew them with Christ and the kingdom principles and a kingdom mentality and begin to line them up. And you know what? Um, now, faith-filled scenarios come more naturally to me. Peace is natural for me. It is my new pattern of thinking. I threw off the old and I picked up and applied the new. And it is now my pattern of thinking. This is the pattern that I go to, is peace and faith and hope. And if you spend any time with me, I hope you would recognize that and that it wears off on you a little bit. That I'm always like, people say, what if? And they start to go down, but I'm like, what if God? What if? What if God got a hold of this? Because I know his heart is full of restoration and renewal for you in this area. That's where my thoughts go to. I have trained myself to do that. And it has become a new pattern of thought. And it is much more peaceful and much more life-giving than the old patterns that I used to have. I just want to throw out this question at the end and then I'm going to pray for you. Is there a toxic thought pattern in your life? that needs renewal. And here's, here's just a simple thing you can do. Does this thought pattern, does what I'm thinking about right now bring peace and consolation to me? Or is it bringing anxiousness, fear, unrest, negativity, all of the other stuff, chaos, confusion? Is it bring peace or not? If it brings peace, it is aligned with the mind of Christ. If not, it's gotta go. And we need to be ruthless about this, about what is going on in our minds. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just am so grateful for how you led me through this process of renewing my own mind and renewing my thought life and coming under um, submission to you in this area of my life. And I pray for every person under the sound of my voice today that we would recognize any toxic thought patterns that we have allowed to infect our minds, any strongholds of the enemy, any places where he has camped out in our minds and in our thought life where we need to kick him out and actually renew ourselves with the power of the word. 
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that breathes life into your words and makes them real and applicable for us. And I pray today that you would bring peace over our minds and hearts as we reject the thoughts that are not of you and we surrender and submit ourselves to the ones that are. Give us the mind of Christ. Teach us to obey you in this area of our life and bring all of these areas in our mind and our heart under submission to you. In Jesus' name, amen.